Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, uh, the moderator of On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And we are the show that helps small business be better at what they do. Uh, as you know, Embassy is all about helping small business, and today we've got a, um, a, a good show where we're going to be talking to April Rooks, who runs a, and owns a company called Cornerstone Personal Development, and she helps uh, business owners identify and address workplace needs uh, that will help them create a lot more viable business. So, April, nice to have you today. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your company does, and then we'll get into uh, some of the strategies you tend to uncover. Sure. Well, Cornerstone provides training and development for small to medium-sized businesses, anywhere from customer service training for the staff all the way up to management training and strategic planning for business owners or CEOs. And... um, I want to just get right into it because uh, every guest has to kind of give me an idea of what we ought to be talking about. And then I take that and turn it upside down and talk about something else. But no, just kidding. But you you had a couple of good points on here that I wanted to go ahead and hit. And the first one was that I'll ask you is um, when you talk to small business owners, what do you hear is their number one workplace need? Most business owners really have have told me and shared with you know other consultants and you'll find this online a lot of statistics as well that customer service and customer relations is one of the largest needs most all of us have a type of business whether it's retail the um, food service industry um, all the way to you know your customer service based you know companies that were going to use phone reps like Verizon or some larger corporations that all have customer service needs. Um, the tr- and th- so they need this training to help people to know how to talk with people, how to deal with difficult situations or difficult customers, um, the do's and don'ts, things to say and not to say, um, and ways to diffuse situations and to make the customer feel appreciated and special. Um, Mike, there's that word again, customer keeps coming up every time we have a program like this um i want to you're you're on a really hot topic of ours that we talk about a lot and that is the customer um you mentioned a host of businesses is there any can you think of a business out there that doesn't have to worry about customer service no, you always have someone even if that's one person on in your in your company who is directly uh you know having real conversations with the public on a daily basis absolutely and um even if you're selling a a little piece online you still have to people aren't going to buy from you unless they figure that they they can trust you and and like doing business with you yes and in the age of technology customer service is not just our our phone conversations but is also our communication via email and other types of technology all right, and then let's qu- let's flip that question around. What is the number one workplace need that business owners don't know they have? What is their blind? What is the typical blind spot for a business owner? 
A big blind spot with a lot of companies is the workplace culture. Workplace culture is there. It's happening whether we are cultivating or creating it actively or if it's just happening passively. And many times business owners have this wonderful skill. You might be a doctor, um, you might be a mechanic, and you have this really great skill that you've been gifted with in life. However, managing people or you know managing different aspects of the business might not necessarily be a strong suit for every individual and thus when you're hiring other employees then you're just kind of oftentimes doing the day-to-day business kind of stuff right and so you're doing what you do well and but then you have all of these people interacting with one another and then you're interacting with other people so thinking along the lines of the of the workplace culture and the environment that you're creating as a business owner every day. Um, and some of those aspects are, do your customer, I mean, your, excuse me, your employees feel appreciated and valued? And are you showing them that actively on a regular basis? Are you communicating well? Um, is there trust among the employees and where they feel like that um, they're all on the same page and on a team together? Mm-hmm. How do you find out what your culture actually is. I think that the best way for business owners to truly find out what their workplace culture is, is to have open communication among their team. And to, as business owners, to, to realize two things. First of all, I love what Dr. Henry Cloud says in his book, Boundaries for Leaders. And that is, as leaders, we are ridiculously in charge. And that means that everything that happens, we either create it or we allow it. And so instead of kind of taking that personally as a hit on our, um, you know, professional skills, or um, as, you know, business owners, or as leaders, just going, you know, saying to ourselves, it's okay, I'm not going to be perfect in everything. So as a leader, this is about me asking really good questions to my team. And then taking in everything that they've saying, analyze it and think about how I can become a better leader. And then we can become a better team by opening that communication line. You know, a, a business owner may think he's communicating, but he may not be. Uh, does your do you ever how do you get behind that? Do you um, uh, do you ever can you. Uh, discuss it with employees how do you really i guess you probably get a sense if some business owner is talking to you about oh, i have a very open culture la da 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 and i really know what's going on you probably have a sense though whether he's where he's got it or he doesn't don't you i mean what that he may be blind to what's really going on Yes, and that's why a part of our process is going into the business, having a discussion with the owner of the business, then having a meeting with the management team, Mm -hmm. and then also getting feedback through surveys from the employees so that we see what is going on on every level and where the areas where he think he may be communicating well we can say, well, you're doing really great in these areas, but these are these are a couple of other areas where we could definitely improve on. Because, yeah, there are blind spots for all of us. Mm-hmm. And we need other people from an outside perspective sometime to see that and to be able to um, give us that wisdom to see a little deeper into what's what's going on as the whole team and not just one area. How do you um, how do you fix a culture this that's. Uh different than what the boss wants, than the owner wants? 
Well, culture certainly does come from the top and trickle down for sure. But I think that generally there are situations among employees where if they see that they don't have the support of their leadership, that they certainly can make a difference. And what I always teach people in um when I talk about the six principles of a love culture, Mm -hmm. what we talk about is that we have to be the culture. We all know the quote by Mahatma Gandhi that says, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. So we have to be the culture. We have to show up with the good attitude and the smile on our face and loving and respecting people that we work with and, and doing those small acts of kindness, like bringing coffee to everybody one morning. And that great, good, positive energy will infiltrate and maybe even infiltrate up to the leadership to they go, mm-hmm. wow, this person really cares about my business, cares about the people here, and I want to be more like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the the day, if you're a business owner and you're starting your business, the day you hire your first person is the day you're creating your culture. Sure, absolutely. So, <laughs> so let's let's talk about the, the importance of uh, – of good people and hiring good people. So what are some good hiring practices for that a business owner should follow? Certainly people are the heart of every business. Mm -hmm. Um, Richard Branson says that they're like the engine, you know, he's with Virgin uh, Airlines and he says they're the engine of every company and they are. Businesses aren't just processes and protocols and flow charts and that's a part of that, but businesses at the bottom line are people. Mm -hmm. And so um, along the lines of what you're saying, um, it makes me think of Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. And a lot of people are Mm -hmm. familiar with that. It's a little Mm -hmm. over 10 years old, but valuable um, insight into um, these 11 businesses that they studied over this 15 year period. And one of the the most important factors that these CEOs that come on to, came onto these companies did was look at hiring the right people. It wasn't just that people are an asset. It's the right people are right. an asset to right. a company. And um, let me read just a, a snip here from, mm-hmm. from what Jim Collins had to say in his book, Good to Great. He said, if you have the right people on the bus, the problem of how to motivate and manage people largely goes away. The right people don't, um, do not need to be tightly managed or fired up. They will be self-motivated by the inner drive to produce. And if you have the wrong people, it doesn't matter whether you discover the right direction, you still won't have the great com- have a great company. Great vision without great people is irrelevant. So I think that, again, like you're saying, having the right people on our bus is certainly important. Mm-hmm. I think that um, one, one integral part of the hiring process is personality assessments. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because, you know, in a typical interview, you've got 30 minutes to try to figure out whether somebody's going to fit. So how do you, in today's world, how do you handle all that? Rather than saying, oh my goodness, I have a position to fill and mm-hmm. doing a 30 minute interview and just taking your best shot at mm-hmm. it. Certainly I'm having a two, if not three interview process mm-hmm. that initially might be a phone interview or an email interview um, or a, a Skype interview. And then you might then consider narrowing it down from there, um, making sure that you're asking wisdom questions, have your, have the right questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching some TV show a while back and he was sitting down at, um, interviewing for a job at a coffee shop and the owner of the business asked him, so what's your favorite kind of coffee? And he responds, I, I don't like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> So again, why would you hire someone 
for a coffee shop that doesn't like coffee, making sure, again, that they're passionate about what they're doing there. Um, And it it may not be a forever job, but at least for right there, they're passionate and they're going to bloom where they're planted. Um, And then, but the DISC assessment um, is a a great avenue. A lot of businesses use a variety of different assessments. Myers-Briggs is another assessment, but the DISC really allows you to look into strengths and weaknesses of personalities. So that helps an employer to to look into this personality, this person's um, individual skill sets and say, okay, are they really suited for this position and what I need them to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've used, I've seen those used and I've used them myself and I've all, but I've also seen companies that get too carried away with those. So what is the right balance? Um, if you've got two or three people of various uh, management levels and various character uh, personalities interviewing this person and they say yeah I think they'll be a good fit but yet they don't hit your disc profile um, what should you go with it because if you don't go with the interview process then why not just do a disc profile before you even talk to somebody yeah, exactly. And a lot of people do um, the initial, you know, the initial disc assessment or type of assessment before they actually do the interview. Hmm. And, you know, another kind of avenue that is is good for businesses is to be able to not only just look at maybe a disc assessment, like you're saying, because hmm. sometimes paper can look one way and then real life is another. Mm-hmm. So another avenue is definitely definitely the references, you know, and talking with previous employers to see what their experience was, um, how they functioned in certain types of roles. Um, You're listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is your host, Joe Moss, and we're talking to April Rooks, who does a lot of uh, assessment and training um, for small business, and we're kind of getting into her head a little bit about the the goods and the bads of things she sees in a in a successful small business um april we were talking about the hiring process so um how long should the typical hiring process take i think that if you're asking the right kind of questions and you're seriously finding out you know what their passion is and you've done an assessment then i would say that two weeks Two to three weeks would definitely be sufficient um, for a company. And th- is this for an entry level as well as, uh, say, a number three person in the company? I mean, do you have the same interview practices across the whole company? I would say more for your entry levels. You might want to take a little bit more time. Certainly, you might look, you know, um, three weeks out and for you know mm. the man those with management experience they certainly should have much more experience behind them and um a, quite a nice resume that you should be able to you know to make a an informed decision somewhat rather quickly depending on you know every circumstance is different if they're relocating or there's other factors then certainly it might take longer um is that the biggest mistake we make as a small business is not hiring the right people no, I think there's certainly other um, other mistakes that mm-hmm. businesses make. Um, one of the areas is that as a business grows, really learning to communicate well and to redefine expectations and boundaries. As we grow, then 
processes and soft new softwares are implemented and there are you know uh, so many contributing factors with adding employees to the more employees to the mix and making sure that we have the right people to manage the growing number of employees and we have the right processes in place to help that function so that the communication and everything just doesn't crumble and people will end up frustrated because they're not sure where they fit and where you know their expectations are versus someone over here because everything is shifting and changing rapidly yeah and that's kind of to me that's probably one of the hardest decisions that i'm familiar with is uh, because a lot of times you got a crystal ball it you've got to hire the process before the volume comes mm-hmm. um and you and it may not be there and what do you do and that's one of the toughest kind of assessments that that we the owners have to make is is will the volume everybody can do a good forecast but what happens is the forecast really going to happen and should i build to that particular volume forecast right exactly um but that gets back to having good people though yeah and having the right team and the right support system of those who can help give you the the insight into how you can structure it and grow it and and being open again it's communication Mm -hmm. listening to your team that's saying we're really struggling in this area or you know i have way too much workload on me so as we're growing i need someone working under me how can we do that but sometimes in in the world of business owners they're so busy that they're not taking the time to listen to their employees so listening is a vital skill for leaders and i I refer often to business owners as leaders because i certainly feel like that we're not just bosses you know we're not just managers but we're leaders people are looking up to us they want to see the best from us and they want guidance from us and we should be leading them and showing the way and supporting them and growing them Mm -hmm. how often should a business expect to change you you mentioned having to look through the processes and procedures and and uh expectations how often um how often should they uh small business expect to have to do that i think that that's dependent greatly upon the leadership but i think that realistically every business owner is going to see some changes about every five years Mm, and they should you know, reassess and go, okay, where, you know, where have we come from point A to point B? And what are new, um, new things that we can establish and put in place that will help? And, you know, Andy Stanley, which is the pastor at North Point Community Mm -hmm. Church, I love what he says that every, every week after they have their, their Sunday service, and he says, you know, we are an event company, because, um, so to speak, because they have events. It's, um, although there's church services, 15,000 people every (laughs) Sunday. Absolutely. And so one of the things that they do every Monday following their Sunday services is sit down with their team and ask, what can we do better every week? What a phenomenal process to just sit down in it. He says they're not long meetings. They're maybe 15 or 20 minutes because Mm -hmm. we don't, you know, we don't want to get in this, you know, culture of meetings, meetings, meetings where we can't be productive but he says they're just quick meetings that say what can we do better we can all ask ourselves that on a regular basis what can I do better that will help me bring value to the people that we're serving in our business I had a uh, uh, saw a seminar that was delivered by um, a uh, uh, aircraft uh, fighter jet squadron uh, with the US Navy and after every after every uh, sortie I guess they call it they all sat down and debriefed and in their process 
uh, everybody's equal. And because if they don't get it right, they die, you know, so they have to really go through every after every single flight and debrief who did what wrong and 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 uh, what can we do to be better. Right. Um, that's I think that's a, a process that a lot of us miss for a lot of reasons. One, we don't take the time to do it. But two, we in a in a good debriefing session you have to check your ego at the door, which is tough for some people to do. They don't like to hear from um, little Jimmy that what I did wrong, what I did was probably wrong. Yes. And little Jimmy may be too scared to say it. It's very hard for, especially those of us who are that, <laughs> we're that strong D mm-hmm. on the DISC assessment. We're the dominant personalities. We're the, we're the leaders and you know we like to take charge. And, um, but I think as you grow, um, and it, as we said, you personally develop in mm-hmm. life. Yeah, you you do learn to look more at, you know, how can I add value rather than this is just about my ego or my title. Because mm-hmm. being a leader and or being a business owner is not about um, your power or your position. It's really about, you know, you have this skill set that you were you were gifted with. How can I add value to people's lives with that? Well, going back over, let's let's talk about that. Let's say going back over the continuum, going back over history. What are some of your, um, in, in your in your mind, who are some of the best leaders that 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 are out there that we can all model from? Well, first of all, one of the best business leaders that I think's been out um, in the last you know thirty plus years was definitely Truett Cathy from mm-hmm. Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. He certainly modeled love and respect in his way of living. Um, He honored his set of core values, which I think is important for a business to have. And he, he certainly walked out his life in, um, in business. And he showed us all that there's not really a separation between business and life. Mm -hmm. You know, we have um, business is a part of our life. And so we can live and breathe that every day and still care about people and especially have the, the business model of people over profit. That's about relationships. And if we value those relationships, then we, the profit will come. Well, a lot of there, there's a, a big misunderstanding out there. I think that the best leadership skills are those are those people who are dominant and, uh, Hey, I'm in charge. You have to respect me. But um, history will show you that's not the case, is it? It is not. In fact, kind of going back to the Jim Collins book, Good to Great, one of the same areas that were um, in those 11 companies that they studied, each of those CEOs were not superstar CEOs. Each of those CEOs were humble workhorses, Mm -hmm. and they cared about building the businesses and cared about people mm-hmm. one of my favorite all times movies is uh, about leadership was we were soldiers once uh with um uh, mel gibson it was a story about uh an early battle in vietnam and uh the first use of helicopters in the uh, on the battlefield and um he was the the general uh, but he was the first on the field and he was the last off the field and he didn't leave anybody behind. And it was, uh, it was a real great story about what a leader, what a really good leader um, goes through 
and what it's like. Um, my that's one of my favorite uh, movies, and when I talk about leadership, that's what I think about. Um, that's good stuff. Now, um, let's talk about another thing that you put down, and I want to. Uh, I was just I've never seen this, and uh, we need to talk about it. Statistically, three. This is what you say. Statistically, three of four employ three of four employees say they would take a new boss over a pay raise. So let's talk about that. Uh, <laughs> where did is that across all business? Is it small business? Is it everybody? That's a that's a phenomenal uh, uh, statistic that that you've got. There was. Um one particular study that uh, that we've utilized in developing some of our strategies um, is the the real productivity killer jerks. Um, they're online, and you can you can Google that. Um, and there's a variety of different statistics out there about um, managers because that is really what it focuses in on is that the leadership is certainly um, vital to to people's. Um, staying with a company and their their loyalty mm-hmm. so yes that's a, a an, an eye-opening statistic but however in in my past experience um, in a variety of different professions and even looking back into to being a teenager and you know working in um, retail mm-hmm. I, I certainly learned personally and have also learned this experientially through observation of others that People do not leave companies. People leave people. Mm, okay. The management making someone feel um, unappreciated. Um, it, when when a employee sees that they are dispensable and that they're just another person or another cog in their will, you can sense those things. Our human, you know, our human spirit gives us that ability. If if we don't necessarily have that directly said to us, you know, there's certain actions that are, you know, have taken place or um, things that we have experienced within that workplace that we go, you know, I'm not really valuable here. Mm -hmm. Why, why do I want to stay here? And especially, you know, when you're younger, and you maybe your responsibilities are small, as we get older, we might really endure more things because, you know, we have a family and um, the stability or the insurance or different reasons. But a lot of younger people, will not stay because they can go find a job anywhere. Mm-hmm. So what are you what are you really bringing to the table as their manager? So they're going to stay with those companies that the people value them, they see the potential in them and they really invest in in their growth and their training and um and they're really that leader that's apprenticing them. Um I've heard the expression, I don't know, it may be Jim Collins that talked about uh be slow to hire but quick to fire. I don't know who came up with that, but um, yes. there, there, you know, at, you know, having leaving someone, they may be a good person, but they just may be in a bad job. Allowing that to continue is very, very harmful to a company, and we keep trying to, people keep want, wanting to fix all that. Um, and what what would you say about that? I would say you need to evaluate the situation. You know, depending on. Like you're saying, if you've hired a person that truly does not have that skill set and it's just not in their DNA per se to do that type of job, then yes, it would certainly benefit yourself, your company, 
and that person Mm -hmm. to fire them and let them move on to something that they can exceed at. In fact, one of my favorite parts of Donald Trump's book, Think Big, was he tells that he the story of he how he had an assistant working for him and and he said although she did a fine job he said I just knew that she was passionate in another area if I if I'm remembering correctly it was something in the line of design mm-hmm. and so he decided to let her go and he, he said look I'm letting you go because I know that I'm holding you back by keeping you in this position and so I want you to go out and be successful and what a, a, a really respectful and loving thing to do um, as, a, as a business owner and a leader because he was looking not only at his own business and the, the productivity in his own business, but also looking for the best of her. I read, well, just the other day um, about a Jack, Jack Welch and his, his wife's daughter uh went out and faithfully got her mba and and all that kind of stuff and just was miserable um but she always loved watching film and uh so now she's a casting director out in los angeles and just loving life so um that's a real good example you got to do what you're kind of passionate about right so i think that yeah if you let someone go because that's just not the fit for them that you're doing yourself a service and them Mm -hmm. a service by saying, Hey, I want you to be successful in life. And you know, what about pursuing this other area where I know you're passionate about and I'll support you. I'll be there for you to help you any way that I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what tools are out there for a business owner? If they're listening to this, that says, you know what? I'd really like to know what my company's all about. What kind of tools are out there? What kind of what do they need to do if they finally decide, you know what, I'm going to drop this guard, I'm going to drop this ego, and I'm going to really find out what my company's all about? What, what should they do? They should consider working with a consulting firm or a training company that can help them to get the outside perspective, come in and do observation within their organization, and give them some valid feedback on the areas where maybe as you as you use the wording blind you know their blind spots mm-hmm. um, that they have and looking at all areas of you know their team um, churches do that um, the church that I'm a part of just had a consultant come in the end of last year and looked at our children's department you know mm-hmm. because again you know when you've got something that's so close to you it's really hard sometimes to see certain areas and you need someone from an outside perspective to say hey this is a really areas that you should think about improving on um, for your business. So yeah, looking at outside sources, seminars, um, you know, we provide a variety of different seminars, but on-site training that a lot of organizations do as well that help come in and provide a customized plan that will help to grow those areas that need improvement. And and uh, recognize business owners that it's okay to admit that your your company is not perfect. In fact, if you think your company's perfect, then it probably isn't. You're probably right. But, you know, two, there's two main areas that, that companies really don't train. And sometimes they realize it. They see that there is a need. Mm-hmm. They, now, they might not, might not realize it's them. <laughs> but they, they certainly see that there's some, something going on and that they need some help. But it's either money or time are two mm-hmm. major factors of why a lot of, especially small to medium-sized businesses, will leave off on the training aspect for their their organization but i say it's too costly not to train because you look at the average um 
turnover rate for hiring and firing is $2,500 per employee. So businesses cannot afford not to train. So if you're a company out there and you're losing 10 people a year, that's costing you 25000 bucks. Yeah. Um, that's a big number, especially for a small business owner. Uh, you're listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is your host, Joe Moss, and we're talking with April Rooks about uh, challenges within the, uh, the small business and just business in general in terms of leadership skills, blind spots, um, customer service, uh, you name it. It, uh, it um, um, we're, we're talking about it. Um, let's go back. And if you had to, if you were sitting down, if an owner came to you and said, uh, something's, something's wrong, I don't know what it is. But something's wrong. Where should April? Where should I start? The analysis, the assessment phase, is is essential, and it's the it's the starting ground to looking at the structure of your company. Um, the name Cornerstone is kind of a couple of different uh, meanings, but but one of the meanings is that 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 cornerstone is a part of your foundation. Our foundation in in life is important. My dad was a carpenter. Mm -hmm. And so I remember being on some job sites with him as a kid and watching them, you know, as they've dug out this foundation and then they go out there with the level and everything has to be correct because the structure of that foundation will then result in a solid structure for the entire building. And so it is within our lives and our businesses that we need to have a solid structure and making sure that everything is correctly laid out um, so that as we build up and as we grow, things will not go topsy-turvy or will not crumble. Um, you might have heard of this, the uh, parable of the wise man who built his house on a rock and then the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so it says the winds came, came and the storms came in and the, the rain was falling down and beating on the house and the man who built his house on the rock, his house withstood that. So that's what we need to really look at the foundation of, of what we have. So that's really what that assessment phase does is looks at what is really going on. And, and, you know, with Cornerstone, we really focus more on the relationship, the interpersonal relationships, um, business, business ethics, um, strategic planning, um, as well as, as we mentioned earlier, the customer service and team building. And, but then we, when we identify other areas, then we can then refer out, you know, if you need some particular software to help you to be more managed, or you need someone to really help you get a better marketing plan, then we have people that we work with as well to help you to get to where you need to be. But that assessment is going to be your tell all and it's going to help you to have a happier, a more productive team and to create longevity among your employees and grow your business. And mm -hmm. that's what every business wants. Now, you, everybody's growth might be a look a little bit differently, but we all want to grow and be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think that, um, trying to get it in an owner's head, I would want to find out what would, what do you want this company to look like? You know, what is your expectation? Um, and when you say, what do you want your company to look like? I would, I would say products, markets, customers, um, people, you know, just go down the list. And, and from that, uh, I think you can pretty much gather what the, what the value statement should be. Um, and then 
and then just compare everything to that because I, you know, I think there are a lot of blind spots out there. I keep coming back to that, but we all have them, and um, and we spend so much time on a daily basis um, trying to make a, you know, trying to make a customer happy or this transaction or this closing this loan or getting this account that we lose sight. And we lose the forest through the trees, so to speak. And it's we, unfortunately, as a small business owner, your capital resources are really, really stretched. So you really can't afford to have someone on your payroll uh, who is just, you know, checking out the forest every day. Yes. Um, that's that's kind of hard to afford. So you got to use these outside sources and to really find out exactly where you are and what's going on. Yes, that's great great feedback and one of the things in the assessment phase that we certainly look at is do you have a defined vision a defined mission statement and defined core values those three things are are super important for your business Um, and you know going back to Chick-fil-a Chick-fil-a really has a solid mission statement and and anyone who works in that company we could walk down drive down the street here and drive to the local Chick-fil-a and go through the drive-through and I am 100% sure that we could ask that person, what is the mission statement for Chick-fil-A? And they know it Mm -hmm. because they know, number one, they hire selectively. Number two, they train so well. And part of that training is that they make sure that people know and understand and have bought into the vision and the mission of that company. And it shows in every experience that you have when you visit a Chick-fil-A franchise, no matter where you visit. Mm-hmm. And um, another good example is uh, of of how not to do it would be Home Depot because you know they went to a transition where they went to an outside guy to try to restore profitability and he just about killed the company. Uh, they really abandoned their their values and their uh, their benchmark principles. Um, now you go in there, you get three four people ask you if you need anything and you almost want to tell them to go away they get bothersome but um but that's a good example of how you abandon your bedrock bedrock principles you start managing the company to shareholders and profits you'll lose your core values you lose your mission and then your your company eventually will fall apart yes you have to remain true to again that foundation those principles and those values that you hold and hold those with high integrity and don't falter um this has been a good good subject to talk about. April, thank you so much for being on the show. It was and, my pleasure. Thank you. And um, why don't you um, why don't you uh, give us uh, some ways to get in touch with you uh, in terms of uh, phone numbers, et cetera, so people can call and maybe talk to you about some of these things. You can reach me at Cornerstone Personal Development at 678-851-49. Nine two again. That's six seven eight eight five one four nine nine two. And you can also visit us online at cornerstonepersonaldevelopment.net. Okay, good, good. And if I could just mention briefly that we have a customer service training seminar in Duluth on June the eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be a day seminar, and our Cornerstone consultant, Christine Martinello, will be um, training that day. Certainly something you'll want to consider for your business and sending your employees to come and get some great hands-on training and how to improve your customer relations. Yeah, that's uh, a whole that's subject we talked about last week. It was really good. We could spend several 
several hours on that. Um, and uh, I agree with you, customer service, hiring the right people, doing the customer service, sticking to your principles. I mean, those are those are such easy things to, to think about. They're so hard to do sometimes. And you get so busy, and then all of a sudden you've lost your way, and you got to find a way to get yourself back to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, April, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, we'll do this again, I promise. And uh, everybody out there, um, this has been a good one, and, and I hope you are hearing the whole concept of the need for hiring good people, getting the right people on the bus, as April said, uh, sticking to your core values, uh, learning from previous leadership examples such as Truett Cathy, as she mentioned. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of others out there that are, that are really good. So um, thanks for listening today. And uh, again, this is Joe Moss bringing you On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And we are uh, broadcasting from the Subaru of Gwinnett uh, International Broadcasting Studios. And uh, we'll see you next time. And as always, everybody, be careful out there. See you next time.